0: Man, welcome back to Wednesday night. It's, it's, it's discipleship class, so to speak, and it's like, it's like Bible school, so we just stay with the topic over a period of weeks. And uh, we just finished, um, what did we just finish? Restoration. That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah, From devastation to restoration. And, and tonight we're starting a new series, I Don't Care. How, how you like that? I do, say that with me I don't care. I don't care. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it again I don't care. Hallelujah! Now, before I, before I get into the words tonight, I got something just to just open up our hearts tonight to to to, to for us to receive and and uh, and there's a, there's a story uh, I heard of a, of a, a woman and she was and she was from from uh, she was British. And, uh, you know, she was real proper, and her and her husband, and, and they were coming over for, for, on vacation, and, and they wanted to stay at a campground, and and, and and she was really proper about what she spoke, and proper on how she worded things, and how she said things, and, and there's some words, you know, it's like, kind of like Miss Carolyn, there's some words that you'll never hear Miss Carolyn use. You know, it's just, that's just, that's just, that's just her. I just won't say these kind of words. And not necessarily bad words, it's just, I just, we, we use this word instead. And you know, I'm like, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, we, do, we use that word. And, uh, you know, and, and, and so, um, so this woman was that way. So she, she wrote this email to this, uh, this campground, and, and the guy writes it. And, but she, she was having a hard time, and she was asking about the facilities, if you know what I mean. And she, and she didn't like the word toilet. And, and so she's trying to, how do I word, you know, it, it, does the campground have everything that I need? And, 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 but she didn't really want to use the word toilet. And she didn't like just using the word bathrooms. And, and so she, she used the word commode. <laughs> and she used bathroom commode. But then she didn't like bathroom commode either. So, so she was writing and she said, she said, well, how about, just could you tell me how your BCs are? You're BCs. And and so anyway, the campground, uh the, the, the director gets this letter and and he's looking at it and he's contemplating, what are BCs? <laughs> he has no clue what BCs are. And he's like and so he's asking all these other campers and and all these other people, what could this mean? And the only thing that they could think of was Baptist Church. <laughs> Do you have, is, is there, you know, how your your BCs, how, your, your Baptist church? And, and I need to read you what the, what the director wrote back to her. He says, Dear Madam, I regret very much the delay in answering your letter, but I now take pleasure in informing you that a BC is located nine miles north of the campground. <laughs> and is capable of seating 250 people at one time. <laughs> I admit it's quite a distance away if you're if you're in the habit of going regularly, but no doubt you'll be pleased to know that a great number of people take their lunches along, <laughs> take their lunches along and make a day of it. They usually arrive early and stay late. <laughs> it's such a beautiful facility, and the acoustics are marvelous. <laughs> he says, even the normal delivery sounds can be heard. <laughs> He said the last time my wife and I went was six years ago. (laughs) And it was so crowded. (laughs) We had had to stand up the whole time. (laughs) We were there. It it may interest you to know that right now (laughs) a a supper is planned to raise money to buy more seats. (laughs) They're going to hold it in the basement of the B.C. I would like to say it pains me. I would like to say it pains me very much not to be able to go more regularly. But it surely is no lack of desire on my part. As we grow old, it seems to be more of an effort, particularly in this cold weather. If you do decide to come down to our campground, perhaps I could go with you for the first time. I wasn't laughing as much when I read it the first time. I'll go, I'll sit with you. I'll go with you, and I'll sit with you the first time, and I'll introduce you to all the other folks, because remember, we're a tight knit community. <laughs> Sincerely, the campground owner. Anyway, hallelujah. See, you see, I just don't care. <laughs> You know, just now your heart's open, a merry heart does good. Some of you didn't know if you should laugh or not. We're in church. Should I laugh at at that? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it wasn't too spiritual, but uh, (laughs) should I laugh? (laughs) It's okay to laugh. Because you've got to get to a place of some things I just don't care. The woman, she just cared too much what other people thought about the word toilet. (laughs) And so therefore, she was really confused. And so was the camp owner. <laughs> good, good Isaiah 26. Good Isaiah 26. Hallelujah. With that phrase, I don't care, it's not about ignoring responsibilities and it's not about ignoring excellence. Let me make the statement again. The phrase, I don't care, is not about ignoring responsibilities, and it's not about s- stopping your pursuit of excellence. But this phrase, I don't care, is about walking above fear. <laughs> I, I don't care is, is it's about a decision of your heart and a decision of your mind. It's I don't care is, is about making a decision that I refuse to carry what God's meant to carry. And I refuse to carry what Jesus has already carried. Amen. So when we talk about I don't care. It's making a decision within your heart that I'm to be free from all fear. Yes. And I'm to be free from all worry. Now this isn't going to be an extensive series on dealing with fear. But it's going to deal with things within our hearts that's keeping us back from the fullness of what God has for our lives. Because, yet, be honest with ourselves. Sometimes, you know, some people just pride themselves on how much they worry. Some people can pride themselves, well, you know, how much they 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 care about certain things. Why, well, I just want to, you know, I I just, I just I'm just concerned about them. But, but you should be. We should be more concerned. What does God think about what I'm carrying around in this life? Say that with me. I don't care. care. Now let's look at this scripture in Isaiah 26. Verse 3. It says, thou will. You could say, you will keep him in perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. So here God is saying, I will keep him in perfect peace. I Meaning, if you want to experience perfect peace, I want to keep him in perfect peace, but who is it? whose mind is stayed on thee. So the person whose mind or heart is stayed on thee, is stayed on him, he will keep him in perfect peace. See, there's an exchange here. There's an exchange here that we need to understand that as, as, as we do something, God does something. See, as we keep our mind on him, he is obligated now to do something. When I have my focus, the word stay. The word stay there is to lean on. To sustain. The word sustain means to keep it going. It also means to take hold of. So when it says, when your mind leans on him, he will keep me in perfect peace. See, he has a job and I have a job. And my job is to lean on him and it says when i lean on him it says he will keep me in perfect peace and that word perfect peace we we, we've a lot of us we've talked about this before but this this understanding of perfect peace is nothing missing and nothing broken me being complete perfect peace means doesn't mean that Okay, everything is going great. Perfect peace is this state of no matter, I might be going through hell right now, but you know what? I'm nothing missing and nothing broken. Why? Because my mind has stayed on them, stayed on him, right? Keep your mind stayed on him, and he will keep you in perfect peace. Say perfect peace. Say, "I I don't care. Go to John chapter 14. The series as we begin tonight is of I don't care is a journey in obtaining and walking in the peace of God. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Thank you, Father. It says here, "Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me." Let not your heart be troubled. Now, there's some, there's some modern translations that, that I don't agree with because there's some modern translations that say, try not to. Yeah. Try not to let your heart be troubled. That, that's not what's being said here. Try, try means, well, I'm going to do my best, but uh, it, I'm just going to try it. No, this is let not. It's more of a command. Jesus is giving the disciples a command, let not your heart be troubled. The disciples at this time had been with Jesus and they had seen miracles. They saw so many different things going on. And they, say, they saw how, how Jesus walked through difficult situations, how he dealt with lack, how he dealt with persecution. And he saw all these different things and he gets to this place where the disciples are confused and they're upset because Jesus is telling them that I'm going away, I'm going away. And I'm going to leave you. But what does Jesus say? Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The answer to going through trouble is belief. If you're going through trouble, the answer to it is belief. It's, It's what you're believing in. But see, what you're believing in is totally hinged on what you're thinking about. That word in, in Isaiah 26, where it said, said, keep your mind stayed on me. That word mind there is thoughts and imaginations. So keep your thoughts and your imaginations on me. Because see, it, when you're going through difficult things, your heart, your mind, your thoughts, and your imagination will run wild. You see, if you get a phone call from from uh, someone and you hang up and it was a negative report, see, the thing that you're going to have to battle is all the imaginations that are going to be connected to what you just heard. And what you just heard and what you thought about is going to affect your belief system. So it's what you do when you put that phone down after that conversation and hear that report that determines, okay, am I going to let my heart be troubled or am I not going to let my heart be troubled? This, this aspect of not being, letting my heart not be troubled is a decision that every one of us have to make at the point of, of, of the news we just received. The word let is, is, is the aspect of, of letting someone into your house. Let me ask you a question. If, if there was someone that came to your house, they had a gun in one hand, they had a note in the other and said, please let me in to rob you. Now, the thing is, I know it's a, it's a silly illustration, but the whole aspect is you're not going to let him in, right? You're, you're going to do everything you can to keep him on the other side of that door. And it's the same thing when it comes to this trouble. It's that same attitude is let not your heart be troubled. So what are you allowing into your heart? See, your, your heart, your mind is a gateway to your faith. And so what are you going to let into that gateway? What are you going to let into your heart? So Jesus wanted to deal with it. Don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Believe in God. You believe in God. Believe also in me. So don't worry about the, the trouble, what you don't understand, the stuff that doesn't make sense. Don't focus on that. Believe me. Believe God, believe also in me. So the answer to whatever you're going through and the answer to whatever you're facing, the thing is, is don't let your heart be troubled, but believe God. You believe in God, believe also in me. You believe God, believe also in me. You know, I had to, when I went through a difficult time a number of years ago, about 10 years ago, I, I remember sitting on a plane and the first thing the Lord told me was, if you keep your heart right, you'll be restored in less than a year. So so what I had to understand was, okay, if I keep my heart right. Well, see, it's the same thing. Don't let your heart be troubled. Keep your heart in perfectly. Keep your heart in perfect peace because then I can restore you. Because then I can move on your behalf. Because then I can direct you. Because then I can do and I can bring about my plan for your life. But you've got to do something about your heart because it's what you let into your heart that's going to determine whether you're going to be victorious over this or not, Right? So let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. The words of Jesus, you have to understand, the words of Jesus are right words. I think what, what Kenneth Copeland would say, what, red words win? Is that, did he say that? Red words win? So, you know, and he even said it this, past, this past Sunday, you know, I, I woke up uh, you know, the week before that and the Lord said, there's nothing more spiritual than the words of Jesus. There's nothing more valuable than the words of Jesus. There's nothing more important than the words of Jesus. Why? Because there's nothing more important than you. And so, so understanding these are, these are words from Jesus and they're words that are true. They're not just good idea words. They're commanding words. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Just say, I don't, I don't care. Hallelujah. Like I said, that's not, that's not about you know, not dealing with your responsibilities or not pursuing a life of excellence. But it's, it's living above fear. It's living above fear. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, I, this, this epistle, this to the church of Philippi, the Apostle Paul is writing. And you've got to understand the context of, of when this was written and where this was written. You understand, the Apostle Paul was writing this from the worst prison at that time in the world. He's not writing from, from his church office in Philippi. He's not writing from his, from his headquarters, maybe in Ephesus. He's writing from the harshest prison in the world. And in some reports that, that uh, Rick Renner talks about and talked about, he was in the lowest parts, and this is the, they, 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 it was the equivalent to the sewer. And he's chained. He's 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 in this position and in this place. And he has he has people along with him. He has a guy that would write his write his things or whatever. If you read the read the epistles that tell you no, this person greets you already, and he's the one that's penning this. So he's given this information to someone to write to this church of Philippi. And he's in the hardest place of his life. But he says, "Rejoice in the Lord." And again, I say, "Rejoice." He uses the word joy in, this, in these four chapters almost more than anywhere else in the epistles. And he's talking about this having this joy, but yet he's in the dark, darkest place of his life. And he has the audacity to say, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Praise God again. Praise God. Meaning, meaning the thing that's coming of his, out of his mouth and the, the hardest place of his life is, is he is going to give it to God. He's going to praise God. The next verse says, it says, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I believe I dealt with this scripture a, on a Sunday a few a few months ago. But the word let your moderation, it's not, you know, we have this phrase, well, do everything in moderation. That's not a scripture. No. The Apostle Paul, when he said, let your moderation be known, he he wasn't talking about, uh, he was talking about his lifestyle. Let your lifestyle, let the way you do things. There's another for this thing is let your kindness, let your moderation, let your kindness may be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The, word, the phrase, the Lord is at hand, means to be allied with you. When you have an ally, it means you have someone on your side. And you know what? I don't want any other. There's no other ally that I would like in on my side than the Lord, right? So when the Lord is at hand, it's saying he is, my, he is your ally. So, so let your kindness, let your, your way of living be known to all men and realize the Lord is at hand. The Lord is on your side. So Paul wants them to know, hey, whatever you're going through, realize the Lord is on your side. Whatever you're facing right now, the Lord is on your side. Whatever deficiency you might be experiencing, the Lord is on your side. Whatever lack you might be facing, the Lord is on your side. And then the next verse says, be careful for nothing. Paul's saying, I don't care. He's saying, don't care about nothing. Well, you you know, I... What about you know? It's okay to care about your. It's okay to worry and be anxious about your children, says who? Well, you know, I've I've got to worry about this because you know I've got I've got bills, you know, and I. I, I, Who said that it's okay to worry about something? He says, "Be be anxious for nothing. Don't care about nothing." That's a difficult one, man. (laughs) It's easier said than done, right? But here that Paul says, "Be careful for nothing, but in everything, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto all men." In the God of peace, in the God of peace, he's saying, "Don't be anxious for anything." In the God of peace. Don't be anxious, but what? give it to God and the God of peace, the God of peace, say that with me, the God of peace, God of peace. which passes all understanding. There's something that transcends natural understanding. There's something that transcends natural, natural, earthly wisdom. And it's the peace of God. See, the peace of God... What what is the Apostle Paul saying? He's saying, saying, in the natural, when you should be pulling your hair out, when you have my peace, it transcends your understanding. Because in the natural, you shouldn't be at peace. In the natural, you should be hurting somebody right now. In the natural... You should be offended in the natural, but we don't, we're not, we're not, we don't have to be in the natural. We don't have to be led by our emotions. We don't have to be allowed, led by what everyone else is doing and what the rest of the world is doing. Why? I don't care. It's not my job to care. It's my job to trust God. It's my job to not let my heart be troubled. It's a decision of the heart. And it's a decision of the heart. It's a decision of the, the heart to yield to that God of peace. It's the decision of your heart to <coughs> let not your heart be troubled. It's a decision of the heart to be careful for nothing. That's a decision, to be careful for nothing. It's a decision. So it's, it's really, anytime we're facing a difficult thing, I'm either going to choose care Or I'm going to choose him. I know that's, that's a difficult thing because we, we feel like we're entitled to this worry. We feel, feel like we're entitled to this fear. We're entitled to this. Well, it, well, I'm just being responsible. Because I have these responsibilities and I need to worry about this. No, you don't. You need to trust God with it. You need to trust God with it. Because in the natural, you're, you're in the natural. You're never going to fix it. No matter how much you worry about it, when you worried about something, did it ever make it better? Seriously, you staying up all night, pacing the floor. Did that ever? Does that ever make it better? Never. It'll never make it better. Why we have to let not our heart be troubled. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Actually, go to Matthew 6, but then go back to Philippians. I, I, I need to keep reading. Wasn't done yet. Verse 7 again. And in the, in the peace of God, <clears throat> which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts... ...in minds through Christ Jesus. It'll keep your heart in mind. What did Isaiah 26 say again? Keep your mind. Stayed on Him. Right? And He will keep you in perfect peace. Uh And here it says... ...and that peace of God that passes under understanding... ...shall keep your hearts. This peace will keep your hearts... ...in minds through Christ Jesus... That word keeps there is to garrison about just as like, a, just as like an army would, would, would surround about a king on a battlefield. Garrison about, surround about. That peace is going to surround about you to keep trouble from getting in. And it's that, it's that peace of God that passes understanding and it's that peace that's going to be that protection. It's going to be that peace is is going to be that sustaining strength that you need. And it's going to keep your heart and minds. Because, see, that's where the battle is. The battle is in your mind. It's in your imaginations, right? Then The next verse says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely whatsoever things are of good report if there be any virtue and if there be any praise think on these things see it's going back to your thinking it's going back to what your mind's meditating on It's going back to what your imagination is telling you It's going back to that and here he says he says and the peace of god would keep your heart and mind and then he tells you what to think on right think on things that are pure Think on things that are lovely. Think on things that are just. Think on things that are a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, the enemy is going to want you to think on everything else. But God is saying, think on things that are good. Think on things that are just. So what you need to do is monitor whatever you're thinking on. Ask yourself, is this a good report? Is this just? Is Is this righteous? Is this... Is this pure? Is this holy? And measure what you're thinking with the words that the Apostle Paul is using here. Because he's saying, think on these things. Right now, yeah, you, you, yeah right now, you, what you're going through might not be pure. Right, right now, what you're going through might not be a good report. But the thing is, we have to think, what is a good report? Well, let's find something in the word. Let's find something in the word. That's going to encourage us. Let's think on something else besides the problem. Then the next verse says, Those things, those things, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Apostle Paul now is saying, those things, the things that you should be thinking on, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Now he's saying, follow my example. And when you follow my example and you do what I've done, the God of peace will be with you. Meaning he's saying, I'm not... I love this because the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm not telling you to do something that's impossible. I'm not telling you to do something that you can't do. Why? Because I've done this. And this is how I've overcome Every attack. I mean, he, you look at the Apostle Paul. He, you go down to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe it is. There's a couple of times where he, he talks about his past. But he talks about, I've been shipwrecked three times. I've been beat three times, left for dead. I've been stoned. I've been left naked. I've been, I've been rich. I've been poor. And all these things. And, and, and so here, the same one that went through all these things, he's saying, follow my example. Because you know what, if you follow my example, that same God of peace that was with me, that same God of peace will be with you. Let's go go to Matthew chapter 6. You're receiving something tonight? Say, I don't care. care. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at verse 19. Now through this series, you know we we repetition is the mode of learning. So throughout the series, the it will, it will layer one on top of another. The so there might be a lot of review in different places, but it, the whole point is not because we 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 didn't know we said it already. But the thing is, is the fact that repetition. Jesus said again, "I say unto you." And so we're all growing up into this, right? Amen. We're all growing in Him. So here in verse nineteen says. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Amplified says, Don't gather and heap up and store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and worm consume and destroy and where thieves break through and steal. Verse 20 says, But gather and heap up and store for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor worm consume and destroy, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Let's, let's think about that for a moment. Verse 19 starts, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Verse 20 says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So he, he's dealing with two different systems here, right? Two systems, an earthly system and a heavenly system, right? Right? But he uses this, lay not up, and then he says, but lay up. It goes back to a decision. Jesus is putting the ball in your court. He's not saying, okay, just I'm going to do everything for you, and you don't need to do anything. He's telling you what you need to lay up, and he's telling you what you're not to lay up, right? right? He's saying, don't lay up treasures on the earth. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not to have... Success that doesn't mean that you not shouldn't have investments or, or, or make money, invest in things, pursue business and, and, and become wealthy. that's, that's not what he's talking, about. he's talking about. he's talking about who are you looking to as your source. he's saying don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. don't lay up see one thing we have to understand what he's dealing, dealing with here, he's dealing with priorities. And he's dealing with what's important and he's dealing with uh, things that are of value. So here he's saying, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. See, in one place, when you lay things, when you lay things up in this one on the earth, what happens? It says things are corrupted, meaning they have a lifespan. They're temporary. They're they're, the, The thief can break through and steal things. And so when your focus is always on natural things, anything that happens in the natural is going to bother you. When you put your trust in natural things and you put your trust in earthly things, when anything happens to those earthly things, it's going to affect you and it's going to bother you. Why? Because you have your focus on wrong priorities but when you're putting your treasure on in god and you're putting your treasure in heaven what happens is is when things happen on the earth and things happen in the natural it doesn't affect you as much why because your focus is on something different yes, that's, why. that's why you see people that 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 in the in uh, like the Great Depression, or or e- even even you know things with the stock market and and things like that. When all of a sudden the stocks tanked and, and people lost huge investments and things like that, people would jump off the tops of the building and and kill themselves. Why? Because everything was built on a system that is corrupted. Everything is built on a system that doesn't last. And like I said, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't you shouldn't do these things because God said He will bless everything we set our hand to. Right. He said he will increase us more and more. He, he, according to the covenant that we have, we're blessed coming in and blessed going out. It said he will give us goodly houses and he will fill our houses with precious things. So God is no way against you having things. He just doesn't want the earthly things to be your source, the earthly things to be what you trust in. Yeah, I, I, I remember talking to someone and uh, they were, um, they had been serving god and they were following god and 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 but yet they had the he had this vehicle and he loved this vehicle man it was a nice truck and and he, this this was his prize possession and he let someone borrow this truck and and over to the, the he had to drive it to uh, i think about 5 hours away and and he he brought it back he was gone for about 4 days and brought it back and the, and and the guy looked at his truck and and all of a sudden his tires were all messed up his the um his his chrome wheels everything had scratches on them like the guy had run over curbs and and everything was messed up his tires were messed up everything was messed up and this person that he 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 looked to him as a minister in his life and and and, and he got offended he got so upset and this bothered him so much because when he talked to the guy about it, the guy didn't take responsibility. He said, I didn't do that. I, I didn't do that. And, and because the guy wouldn't take responsibility, this guy turned his back on God for several years. Offended. But what so what are you seeing here? Something that he had trusted in, this earthly treasure, because, it, because something happened to it, it cost him... To to miss out on what God wanted to do in his life. Because it affected him so much. And how many things do we let in the natural affect us? Because we're building our life on things that are really corrupted anyway, that have a lifespan. They're, They're temporary. We place so much value. We place so much value. In natural things instead of heavenly things, and please it 's not about that God doesn't care about you or your things you have and, and and all that I'm not saying do not take care of the things you have. I'm just talking about what are you laying up what where do you where are your your priorities and your values see most of us worry about things because we don't know His priorities. You see, when you know his priorities, these your your earthly priorities all of a sudden don't become a big deal. You you know, it, it's this there's this this fear. There's fear of failure, there's fear of loss, there's fear of death. What is the fear of death? It's the it's the fear of irrecoverable loss. Meaning you're fearing something because if you lose it, I'll never get it again. You know, you you look at you, you you have to spend finances on something and and you know and then you know my wife and I we have to spending something that's pretty expensive but we have to get something fixed and we have to do it in the natural. I'm like I I don't want to deplete my 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 bank account. You know and and so all of a sudden there's this fear of well. I've saved up this long, and and it took this long to get that. And how how you know how are we going to re- recuperate that and and all that? And the Lord said said I can't I can't increase you that I can't do something about that. Why are you allowing that to control you to make this decision? Because you have to do this. It's your responsibility. You have to do this. But I, I'm worried that somehow I'm not going to be able to recover that. And the Lord's like, He goes, I can do ten times more than that. I can go way beyond that. So you can't, but you have to have your values. My value was looking at 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 what I'm losing, instead of understanding my my trust is in His kingdom. You know, even even that that fear, the fear of death. I mean. That, that it, It's something that, that, that really, you know, even with loved ones and, and, and things, and I'm not, I'm not belittling losing a loved one by no means. But if, 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 you, if you're grieving for years and years and years because you lost a loved one, then the thing is, is you don't have a perception or an understanding of his priorities an understanding eternity. But lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and which don't corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Amplified says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So listen to this, where your treasure is, where your priority is, where the things that you value are, there's where your heart is. So whatever you're thinking about the most, whatever you're doing the most, how can I tell what you're treasuring? See, I can, tre- I can tell your treasures in several things. I can tell-, tell you what you treasure by what you give. I can tell your treasures by your, wh- where you spend your time at. I can tell by how you serve. I can tell your treasure by how you treat your family. I can tell what you treasure in so many different ways. So here he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Meaning, meaning, you, whatever's in my heart is going to produce my motivations. Right. Let me say that again. Whatever's in my heart is going to produce my motivations. So if I have fear in my heart, it's going to motivate me to respond in fear. But if I understand the value and I understand his priorities, then my response, my motivation is going to be responding to how he would respond. Verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be single, your whole body would be full of light. This goes back to what are you focusing on? If your eye is single, if I'm focusing on the right things, right? Your eye, if your eye be evil, your whole body will be, verse 22, the light of the body is the eye. Meaning what I'm focusing on. If my eye is focused and single, my whole body would be full of light. Verse 23, but if your eye be evil, Your whole body would be full of darkness. So if I'm focusing on the right things, then my light I'll be filled with light. But if I'm focusing on the wrong things, then I'll be filled with darkness. You can equate darkness to hopelessness. So whatever I'm focusing on, it's either going to cause me to be filled with darkness or it's going to cause me to be filled with light. And I don't know about you, but I want to be filled with light so I'll respond with light. Amen. If therefore your eye in thee is darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for he either will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Meaning you can't you can't worship, you can't go after with all your heart natural things and go after God with all your heart. You can't do both you're either going to love one or hate the other. You're either going to serve one or serve the other. You can't be going after God and serving His priorities at the same time going after and being constantly in fear about your natural priorities. You can't do it. It's impossible. It's impossible to worship two things. You can't do it. But it comes down to what are we focusing on? Are we going to focus on things that are temporary or are we going to focus on things that are eternal? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. See, you won't get upset, worried, or controlled by fear like others when you understand where your treasure is. Let me ask you a question Why do Christians get upset? There's three things lack of faith, lack of love. And wrong priorities. When you don't understand. When you have a lack of faith. A lack of love. And you have wrong priorities. You'll live in a constant state of fear. When you have wrong priorities. Meaning you're looking. You're, you're trying to figure things out. But God said. Ask me what the greatest priorities are. Everyone stand to your feet for a moment. We're going to, we're going to get, get into this. I, I want us to do something. Because I, I want to know, I want to know for me, I want to know whatever situation I'm going through, I want to see things from God's perspective. Because if I, if I see things from a natural perspective, then I can be controlled by this fear. But when I see things from God's perspective, I can be controlled by Peace. Right, So I want us to all repeat a prayer. How many people, God answers prayer? Yes. Amen. Repeat this after me. Father God, Father God, we, God acknowledge you, we acknowledge you that you are the source of all knowledge, that you are the of all knowledge. Wisdom, and wisdom and understanding. We don't assume, we don't assume or, presume, or presume that we know all things. So we ask you you to reveal to us us your values values and your priorities. priorities. Let us see see through your eyes eyes what is important important and what is not important. important. Show us us what is not a priority priority. and what should be a priority. priority. Help Help us come up and move forward. That we, that we wouldn't think like the world, like the world. and, value, and in value what the world values. The world that, we would come that we would come to a place, to a place where, where, we we where we would those seek things that are above. those things that are above. Let our mind be renewed, Let mind be renewed. To, your will. to your will, your word, your word. And, your way. and your way. So we can prove so we what is good. And acceptable, and acceptable and perfect, perfect. will of God. Will of God. What, is what is important and what is not important? What is, not important. What is, priority, what is priority and what is not priority? Is not priority. Thank, you, Thank you, Father. That when you're going through situations and we're facing situations in life, that we would take the time and we would ask God, What is the priority in this situation? Word says we have not because we ask not. The word of God says, "If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and He would give to all men liberally." And be ready to hear. Okay, yeah, Father, we see this thing came up. Okay, what is your priority in this situation? What is your priority? What, what should I value in this situation? What's important in this situation? You can be seated. See, it's how you see things. When he talked about the light of the body, and the eye is single. It's how you see things. See, it's how you see things in situations that determines whether you're going you're gonna to be in panic or whether you're going to be cold as a cucumber. For lack of a better analogy. <laughs> go go to Hebrews chapter two. Let's let's look at this. Just got a just a couple more things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. It's how you see things. I'm gonna come back to Matthew chapter six here in just a second. I should have told you to stay there. Hebrews two. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Verse fourteen. It says since therefore these his children share in flesh and blood, he himself in the same manner partook of the same nature, that by going through death he might bring to nothing, and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So the devil had the power of death, right? And here it, just said, it said, he in no, no effect, he, he brought to naught what the enemy tried to do, right? Verse 15, and also that he might deliver and completely set free those who through the fear of death were held in bondage throughout their whole course of their lives. Held in bondage. Throughout the whole course of life because of what? The fear of death. One thing you have to understand about fear and understand about care is fear makes you bindable. Fear causes you to be bound. The whole reason why we need to come to a place where I don't care is because when you're operating in care, it causes the enemy to bind you. It causes him to limit you in your life and limit you in your situation. So you have to understand here what is saying of Jesus. It says that that he brought to naught... The one that had the power of death, that that through him who had the fear of death might bring to nothing, bring to nothing. That Jesus did something about this fear, right? Yes. Verse six, for as we all know, he verse 16, for we all know he Christ did not take hold of angels to give them a helping and delivering him. But he did take hold of the descendants of Abraham to reach out. And give them a delivering and helping hand. I mean, Jesus did something about this situation and he reached down and did something about this fear. So you need to understand that this fear and that that we we focus on it makes you, it causes you to be bound and causes you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. It causes you to stay up late at night. It causes you to, to not be able to sleep all day long. It causes people to take medication. It causes people to, to be hooked on things. It causes people to be angry. It causes people to do all these things. Why? Because of care, worry, and fear. And it's all based on what are you focusing on? I have to focus on what Jesus did. I have to focus on and not lay up treasures on earth, but lay up the things that are in heaven, those treasures that are in heaven. Go back to Matthew chapter 6 and I'll close. Matthew chapter 6. Thank you, Father. So just after, after he talks about, about this treasure and about our focus, he goes in verse 25, he says, Therefore... So everything he just talked about, he now comes to this and says, therefore. I mean, I'm saying all this to you. I'm saying, talking to you about not serving two masters because of something, right? Yeah. Therefore, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat, what you should drink, nor yet for your body, what you should put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than clothes? See, he's talking about focus here. What are you focusing on? Don't take thought. Don't take take no thought. Let not your heart be troubled. Be careful for nothing. All these are, are all these are like commands. Take no thought. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about your life. The natural things: what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you, for your body, what you're going to put on. Verse twenty-six: Behold the fowls of the air; for they sow not, neither do they root, reap, nor shall they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them are you not much better than they I think that's a question we really have to ask ourselves aren't you better than a bird of the air you're better than a bird of the air but God it says he takes care of the bird of the air and he says aren't you much better than they they don't worry they're not going to try to figure out where they're going to get their next meal from they're not worried about trying to find the next clothes, the latest style. We got feathers. <laughs> God closes them, cl- clothes them. They don't have to worry about what they're going to wear, what they're going to put on. So, and, and you're much better than they. You're much better than than they. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit into your stature? Oh, trust me, I tried this one. If I just think hard enough, I'm going to be six foot tall. If I'm going to be six foot tall, oh, if I just worry enough, is it going to cause me to grow 18 more inches? That's what a cubit is. Man, if I was 18 inches taller, wow, I'd be like six six, something like that. But if you worry about it... worrying about it is not going to make it happen. Worrying about it is not going to make it happen. Thank you, Father. And why do you take thought for your raiment? And why do you take thought for your raiment? I mean, the more you worry, it's not going to make you taller. So why are you going to worry about your clothes? Why are you going to worry about these other things? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor neither do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Where if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, take no thought saying, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or where shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knows that you have need of these things. That phrase, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Here he's talking about the natural people. And he's going back to really to verse 19. Lay not up yourselves treasures on earth. See, that's what a Gentile would do. They're worried about the natural. Gentile is someone that is that is is apart from God, that doesn't know God. And here it says, the Gentiles seek after these things. Hallelujah. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all these things, all these things shall be added unto you. Say with me, I don't care because God's got me hallelujah hallelujah, thank you, Father. you know uh. When someone's at the end of their life. I believe it's James chapter four. It's a question: that says, It says, "says What is your life?" You're here today. You're gone tomorrow. You're a wisp, a vapor, a puff of smoke. And that question: What is your life? You know, when someone gets to the end of their life, they're not gonna they're not gonna say, "I man, I wish I made more money. I, I wish I I wish I you know I wish I had I had bought more more houses." I, I wish I had, you know, uh, been in every country in the world. I wish I'd traveled and did all these things. When someone's about to take their last breath, they, they they think of things that have greater priority. And that's that's my that's my really my question or thought for you tonight. What's greater priority? Let's ask God, and let Him shape our priorities. And as you let him shape your priorities, we'll live above the pressures and the cares that this world would try to mold and shape us. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. And I thank you for every person here and every person watching by way of the internet. I thank you, Father, for your peace passing all understanding. I thank you as they leave this place tonight. I thank you they leave this place worry-free. They leave here with a courage. They leave here with a courage. Those watching by way of internet, they go to sleep tonight with a courage to be able to cast every care. Have a courage to not let their heart be troubled. A courage to be careful for nothing. A courage to seek first the kingdom of God. And a courage... To lay up treasures that are in heaven where the enemy cannot steal. Father, I just thank you for courage over this congregation tonight. Courage over every single person watching. Courage that they're increasing. Courage that they're stepping in to greater things. They're stepping in to wonderful things. Because they're no longer being hindered by past failures or past defeats. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I love you. you. Receive that tonight. Thank you, Father. That is good. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word.